The Fourth Amendment, created for the purpose of respecting our citizens' privacy. The amendment clearly states, the right of the people to be secure in the persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So basically, don't go through people's things unreasonably without permission from the government that says you can. Seems like an easy rule to follow, right? Well, unfortunately, not for the officers who visited Dolry Mapp's home in May of 1957, who knocked on her door and asked to inspect the property in search of someone they believed to be involved in a bombing incident. She refused and told them to come back with a warrant. After circling, the, after circling the house for hours, they held up a fake warrant and entered the house. They found no suspect, but did find a trunk which contained pornographic material, and Mapp was arrested on the account of having obscene material. In 1958, the Ohio Supreme Court found her guilty because of her lewd photos and books. She would have been sentenced to seven years in prison if not for the Supreme Court, who ruled in a 6-3 vote that the arresting officers violated Mapp's privacy and broke the Fourth Amendment. The warrant wasn't ever shown in the courtroom or in evidence, most likely because the warrant never existed. And as we learned, you can't search people's homes without reasonable cause or permission from the government. You also shouldn't go digging around in someone's porn because, well, that's just rude. Fourteen-year-old Tracy Louise Odom and her friend were caught smoking a cigarette in the girls' bathroom at Township High School on March 7, 1980. They were taken to the principal by the teacher who caught them, and while her friend admitted to smoking, Odom denied the accusation. The assistant vice principal was suspicious, so he demanded that she handed her bag over. During the search, they found marijuana and cigarettes with letters implying she was dealing marijuana. The principal called the police and Odom's mother, who then drove her to the police station. She was convicted of dealing and using illegal drugs. Odom argued that because the principal did not have a warrant, they were violating the Fourth Amendment, which states that unless there is a probable cause, the police must have a warrant to search private property. When she took the case to the Supreme Court, however, in a vote of 6-3, to three, Odom was found guilty. They said that because she is a minor, the school has the right to search and seize any object in a student's possession. The opposing judges said that even if the teacher saw her smoking, he never had any evidence to suggest that she had contraband in her purse. However, signing the school's code of conduct pretty much signs away all natural rights. Many other similar arguments have been made and taken to court, including Iowa versus Marzell Jones, which argued over the school's ability to search lockers annually. The overall message here is that rights obtaining to citizens are not the same rights obtaining to students, or for that matter, anyone considered a minor or under the jurisdiction of a school policy. On March 13th of 1963, Ernesto Miranda was arrested in his house and brought to an Arizona precinct where he was questioned for two hours straight in regards to kidnapping and rape. The victim of the case, an 18-year-old Mexican immigrant living in Phoenix, Arizona, identified Miranda in a lineup of rape suspects. 
After a long interrogation, Miranda confessed to a crime and would have been sentenced to 30 years in prison if not for the Fifth Amendment. Now let's back up to before the case. Miranda grew up in Arizona. Mom died at an early age and he was left with only a father to raise him. Later, when his father remarried, he distanced himself from his entire family, leaving this kid to pretty much fend for himself. It would be an understatement to say that he was a troubled child. His first convicted crime was when he was only in 8th grade, and from that point on, he was arrested multiple times for crimes involving burglary. He finished out his education at Arizona State Industrial School for Boys, and shortly after moved to California, where he was convicted of an armed robbery and sexual offenses, forcing him to move back to Arizona. He was arrested for a few more times in Texas and Nashville for the same ordeals, until finally moving back to Arizona. It had appeared he had settled down and finally got a decent job working as a laborer. No one, not even him, could have predicted that he would be a part of the next landmark Supreme Court case in history. That puts us right back to where we were with Miranda's confession. The setting, Warren Courthouse, Phoenix, Arizona. The case was argued for three days, all between February and March of 1966. In the courtroom, Gary Nelson, who was Arizona State's attorney, used Miranda's confession against him. However, as John Paul and John Flynn, who were Miranda's attorneys, argued, the case violated Miranda's Fifth Amendment because he was never informed of his right to an attorney. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Fifth Amendment, revolves around the rights of criminals in the justice system. The amendment rambles on, but the gist of it is that anyone in custody of the law must be informed of his or her rights. The Supreme Court of Arizona ended up finding Miranda guilty because he did not request counsel as he should have. It seemed over, but it wasn't. Miranda and his attorneys knew that his rights had been violated and took the case all the way to the Supreme Court. On June 13th of 1966, the Supreme Court ruled in a 5-4 to vote that the interrogation violated Miranda's Fifth Amendment and therefore proved him innocent. Chief Justice Earl Warren gave this statement and basically said people needed to be aware of their rights, thus creating what we call the Miranda Rights. If the arresting officer simply would have informed him of his rights at the beginning of the interrogation, then Miranda's confession would have been considered valid, or perhaps there would have been no confession at all. But that's the problem, is that he wasn't informed, therefore the entire case was tampered. So from that day forward, the court ruled that an individual must be given his or her rights when arrested. Basically, what that means is that any time an officer arrests someone, they must recite this script. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to speak to an attorney present during any questioning. So, what do these three court cases have in common? Well, they're all giving examples of when the government violated citizens' Fourth and Fifth Amendments, and they're teaching us lessons for the future so we know our own rights. And what did we learn today? Well, number one, know your rights. Um, Number two, know that you need a warrant. And number three, know where your rights are applied. So, whether that be in your school, in your home, in your community, Know what you can and cannot do. Thanks.